Do you just cry when you sit with the papers Thinking about what it's like and take away from us We're on a course for a head-on collision Scientists said this is what we've been missing Sorry that research is not for submission Friend Roger's dead and we'll be the one to listen Can't take the heat, now the planet is your kitchen She's like you're stuck in a contest of pissing Time to trade in Congress for a new edition Welcome back, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 20th. Our community engagement section. Uh, my first, actually, my very first community engagement section piece, my third episode, it was a community challenge for somebody to write my, or to perform my opening theme song. I wrote that song sometime last year. So I was doing poetry stuff, and I was like, yeah, well, once I got this podcast going, I'd be like, hey, that'd be perfect for the opening theme song, something I did myself. But I, I'm not a performer, I'm not a singer, so my first community challenge was, hey, well, somebody who does have some actual musical talent perform my song. And Goji360 had performed their punk rock version of what they titled for me, Screaming in the Void. I didn't even have a, a, a title for it. I just had the lyrics that I had wrote. So I want to give a big shout out to Goji360. Thank you for performing my opening song. Now, that challenge is still open, right? So I really like that version a lot better than my own version. My father's actually come around to that version. He likes that version. My mother hasn't come around, hasn't come around to that version quite yet. But she also didn't like the style which I did it. Well, she liked the style I did it in. She just, again, I'm not a musical performer. So if you have a different genre, different style of music you work with, I'd love to hear your version of my song. Screaming in the Void is what it has been titled now, thanks to Goji360. I can get you the lyrics. Just reach out to me either on the Anchor FM app. Or if you follow me on Facebook at all, reach out to me on there. Or you can email me at nextstepsustainability at gmail.com. If you're willing to perform the song or just want to know kind of where it came from, I'd like to explain it, but I'd like to explain it looking at it in, through the lens of a Toastmaster. Right? For, for those of you who don't know, I attended Toastmasters for a, few, for a bunch of years. I'm still looking for another group to get in. The last one I was with was uh, with a work group, but I, since I'm no longer up there, now I'm out in the market for a new Toastmasters group. And with the COVID-19 lockdown, it's kind of hard to find a group to go out to. 
let alone what I want to. So that's on pause. But I actually, I did, I bring it up because I did come across something today that might be beneficial to a lot of us out there, which is they have a free webinar series coming up on May 28th, 29th, and 30th, I believe, for how to interview, like interviewing skills. Like know who you are, what you're bringing to the table, how to convey it, that kind of thing. If you're interested in it, uh, look at Toastmasters International on Facebook is where I came across it. I posted it on my Facebook and on Next Step Sustainability uh, on that Facebook page. So you can find it on either one of those or, like I said, just Google Toastmaster International. It's a webinar series may be beneficial, right? Especially if you had left your job, your job had let you go. Especially if it has been a long time since you've interviewed. Give that a look. Uh, you might find something useful from it. A couple hours on out of your time to learn a useful skill. But anyways, to look at this song through like the lens of a Toastmaster, there was a project that you in your first book that you had to do. This is when they had the book. I think they've pushed everything to an online program now. But there was a project called Persuade with Power. Part of it gives you kind of four guidelines for a good motivation, like a motivated sequence of, of a speech, right? something you're delivering. And the sequence is this. It's a four-step sequence. It's grab their attention, give a need, create some sort of satisfaction to that, and you know, leave them with a good visualization or a powerful visualization, might I say. And I boiled that down to kind of four G's. You grab their attention, give like an issue, glue this story together with some sort of evidence, and then give a golden future or the gloom and doom, you know, for that kind of powerful visualization. And if you look at the lyrics of the song, I try kind of follow that format. And I actually saw this later as I was looking at the lyrics. Like, hey, I'd like to explain that. I kind of just did this automatically. And that's the power of joining a group like Toastmasters and getting the practice, getting the reps in. We start to do things automatically. We don't even know we're doing. We'll get to that a little later too. But for now, uh, if you look at the four G's that I said, grab their attention. So how I do this with the lyrics, or how I ended up doing this with the lyrics, was uh, talking about do you cry when you read the papers and having yourself consider what more else can happen. What else can they take from us? Yeah, it's a concern. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Because I have friends on both sides, speak to a lot of people, and we're all concerned with the news that we see. The news is troubling. And I'm not the first one to say this. Right? Like we saw Monday. It's just another way to tell the same old story. Plenty of musicians have written about it, you know, written about this. Like any of your revolution-themed music. From the Beatles to Jackson Brown. Um, we want to give some issues, right? Grab their attention, give some issues. You know, we're on a course, a straight head-on collision. Like scientists have been screaming at us. You know, we gotta slow down climate change, our the human impact of this finite planet, 
right? That needs to slow down. We need to rethink. They've been screaming that. Uh, a further issue is that that research and all these scientists screaming is being ignored, right? And I try to, and I really drive the point home, and this is where I start getting into the third G, the gluing with evidence, is that, you just, and this is anecdotal kind of, metaphorical evidence is a song, but Fred Rod, you know, Fred Rogers is dead, or he'd be the one to listen. Right? He was a caring individual. It's so sad that people like that are, are now gone, right? He made an impact for public broadcasting, right? When he pleaded to Congress. Um, but we don't see Congress listening to people the way like Fred Rogers would listen to people about their issues and their concerns. So it's sad that we're missing people like that, right? You know, to drive the point home of kind of like the signs of our times, right? If that sits ill with you, if you can't take the heat too bad, this planet's now your kitchen. This is, this is what we're looking at. So to, to glue the story with more evidence, this is kind of where we go into the chorus of the song. We have two sides that are stuck in a contest. It's a pissing match, back and forth, left and right, this or that. Democrat, Republican, we're right, you're wrong, right? And it goes nowhere. And we know that because we see it played out every day in our lives, that we are inept to control a pandemic. Our eyes are focused on the wrong problems because we're too busy pointing fingers. But also, we want to give evidence towards a future, right? We need to create some sort of sense of satisfaction and this is where we get to like the chorus of the song, if you will. Time to trade in our Congress for a new edition. Yeah, I think we can like all agree with that because our representatives aren't really representing our needs right now. And on the way out, take religion. And now this isn't an attack on anybody's individual relationship with their own religion. Right. What I'm saying is that if we are now saying we're going, like, we actually have a push for this to be a Christian nation. This is not the idea America was founded on at all. Right? So take your religion out of the politics, right? Especially here in Utah, where the LDS church so brazenly manipulates local politics. This needs to stop because they have very different ideals on the way that they want to govern their individual lives. Fine, when it's dealing with your religious practices, but that needs no place in how we govern state practices. In the United States of America, where we were founded on the ideal of all people and are created equal, and we have freedom of religion, all right? Now, to further show some more evidence is that we do not see equality for all. Of course we don't. And to show that I'm such a friend of religion, right, where I give a shout-out to the Christians out there, right? if you're such a representative and such a leader and have good morals, then... When I look at your actions and the way you vote, is turn backs going to be the position when, when your Christ calls? Now, the punk rock version, he puts love in there, and that's fine. 
Because Christ was all about love, from what I understand. And I don't see that displayed in bills being passed. And I don't see that being displayed when grown men, which is the next line, I don't see it displayed when we have grown men around the world, leaders of the free world and leaders of other world, picking on little girls. Greta Thunberg and any of these environmental activists that they'll point out and shame and pick on in some disgusting ways that I won't even talk about mirror on this program. Right? That's a problem when our president of the United States acts in a way where I'm not willing to act in that same way on, on a program. And I have a lot less viewers than the president does. Lot less eyes on me, and I will not act in those ways. Because the people who uh, are watching me, the eyes that are on me, I care about. But also a way to suit the satisfaction is, um, or more evidence towards this, is that out of our congressmen, only the women have balls, right? That's kind of a way forward. It's not just the women, but there's. Who are the caretakers? Who are the ones who actually kind of care about the well-being, the health of A, the, the environment, B, the people who inhabit this planet, and well, hopefully B and Z, all life that inhabits this planet. But then the powerful visualization is that, uh, and at the end, is that we're in, this, we're in a situation where this information, there's so much of it out there, but it's so powerful now because it's so targeted through ways of multimedia and continuous news and information cycles and an abundance of information, right? Is that a little bit more every day kind of makes us sick to our stomach when we when we look at it. Like, oh God, look at what they're doing now. They've locked up children. Oh my God, we have a pandemic. Oh, and just a little more every morning kind of makes your stomach turn and and it goes a lot to kind of beat down the psyche and that's what we have to kind of combat like form a sense of resiliency against right but we have to realize that this is a current predicament we we are in we can't just turn our heads and I just close out with that word. I'm just another caring soul screaming in the void. Because amongst all that noise, all that extra information out there, all that dedicate or all that targeted social media and like endless amount of apps and Netflix shows that you can digest, that all of this kind of gets drowned out. Any attempt at real communication just gets drowned out through the consumption of all this seemingly endless digital information. Now, it's not all doom and gloom because in this podcast, I do try to give ways to kind of cut through that void, right? kind of narrow that gap. And I think a lot of that comes in through examining these some cognitive biases which we're going to touch on another one of those today. And this is what I hope to do with this podcast is give ways to kind of get past that gloom and doom portion. And how I have done that in my own life is 
by just taking little actions. And whatever it was, whether it be improve my public speaking skills and communication skills through college or through a program like Toastmasters, and now through practical application, through podcasts and other public speaking venues and uh, performances I take part in, little actions build up eventually. Right? I didn't start out on on a stage. Started out reading about it and you know tested it out in a classroom and getting involved with a group and and definitely public speaking isn't everybody's forte. It's definitely not my forte. I just happened to get better at it along the way because it's something I wanted to try out and do and I did find out I liked it and I would challenge anybody out there who is just a little timid or scared shitless to just try it a little bit read about practice watch some videos do it alone behind closed doors show a couple people you're comfortable with or show a couple strangers sometimes you're more comfortable that way and that's Definitely what a group like Toastmasters is helpful for. But if your thing isn't public speaking, I've tried to highlight other groups on this podcast. Show other ideas, give other opportunities for people to connect to find something that they would get involved with. For example, one being that uh, my brother Danny had a connection to some PPE Garments being made from a local manufacturer over in Rhode Island. Well, local for them. He's on the East Coast. I grew up in New England. So Merrill Manufacturing, they did sports garments and, and whatnot. They have converted to now making PPE. He can make that happen. If your organization needs to order medical grade PPE during this COVID pandemic, you can reach out to him at djello, that's D-J-E-L-L-O-E, at yahoo.com, or look for Dan Jello at LinkedIn. If your organization needs medical-grade PPE, Dan can definitely help you out with that, so get in touch. Another group featured on here a few times is uh, the Poet Flow. Poet Flow group we attend, or used to attend on Tuesdays over at the Lighthouse Lounge. Due to the shutdown, haven't been meeting up in person, but the show has gone on. Not exactly show, the meetup group has gone on. Poet Flow still meets virtually every Tuesday from 7 to 9. Follow the Poet Flow page on Facebook. You'll get the link um, as soon as it comes out each week for the next virtual meetup. They just had one last night, so keep an eye out throughout the rest of this week for... Updates on the next Poet Flow virtual meetup. I don't know when the downturn in COVID's gonna happen and when we can meet up, but I can't wait to start meeting up in person again. Ah. But only when when it's safe. Practice safety. Safety first. And related to kind of the Poet Flow, or at least in my circle of friends, right? I met Christina who I found host in the Poet Flow. I met her at Improv over at the Comedy Loft. Now, all shows are canceled until further notice, safety-wise, but eventually we do expect that it will open back up. So, 
while we're in lockdown, we are looking to make some upgrades to the space. If you've been to the Comedy Loft, you would probably agree that it could use a few upgrades. But it is a wonderful space, and we hope to bring it up to snuff. Now, Antonio Lexero has created a GoFundMe page to raise money to buy materials to make the upgrades necessary to create a better environment for A, the audience, and B, the players. And then also put a few upgrades to just kind of bring it up to a, a modern standard so we could play around with different formatted shows and kind of have more to offer in that space than just live performances. So go check out his GoFundMe page where you can find out more of what he intends to do with the space and what he is looking for to raise and where we're at on those goals already. So check that out. It's on GoFundMe, Renew the Comedy Loft. Or you could look for Antonio Lexero on Facebook. That's A-N-T-O-N-I-O-L-E-X-E-R-O-T. Antonio Lexero. Please support that space. The Comedy Loft has been instrumental in helping me get where I am with <laughs> A, the performing arts and public speaking, actually getting around to do this podcast. So without their support, their coaching, Matt, say, every, John Douglas, every person in that space is, um, has been a gem in my life. So... Show your support. If you support what I do, please support them first. right? Because there would be no this without that. GoFundMe, Renew the Comedy Loft. Thank you, Antonio, for doing that project, taking that on. Uh, you are a true inspiration. So, Love to have you come on over and talk more about that directly on this podcast if you would like. So you know how to get in touch with me. And also... Another one we've had on this is Anna Cash. She had plugged her canning class. They're free. She's been doing them on Facebook Live. You just have to kind of catch them at the right moment, or I'm sure you can go back and there's probably a log of those. I'm not the most savvy when it comes to social media. If you're following me on it, you know that to be true. But Anna Cash is a little more savvy, so she does Facebook Live videos where she teaches you how to can your preserves and fruits and vegetables, so, and I think meat too. Hasn't been my bag in the past, but might be coming up in the future, baby, because the world seems to be changing a little bit. She also has preserves for sale. You can check that out. But another thing that Anna Cash does that I really like is kind of is community projects. I came across this a couple weeks ago. She and I think I talked about it once already on, on the podcast, is that she did the community gardens at the elementary school that her children go to. They have a little community garden where kids learn about plant gardening. And since we're shut down, schools were shut down and impacted, the gardens were overgrown, so she got a group of people together to go dig out the gardens. And I found that through her, through her Facebook page. So I appreciate it. Follow Anna Cash or Green Ogden on Facebook. Thank you, Anna, for all the work you do. And also, <laughs> I got to thank her for this because I got the best. I've had, I'm a guy who has a lot of nicknames. 
I was in the military. You get a lot of nicknames just being in the military. My name's St. Peter. I've been called a lot of different things. And then I'm from Massachusetts. Everything from Masshole to Centipede. Don't ask. But I got my most favorite, if that's a term, most favorite nickname ever was Mr. Snow Basin. Now, I have like the whole Snow Basin t-shirt collection. A, I work up there. B, I ski up there a lot. And see, those are the most comfortable t-shirts you'll ever find. They're so they're like that soft cotton. Uh, so I wear them often. And now I'm out there just volunteering, and there's not a group I usually hang out with. You know, it was like Anna's kids and her friends and their kids, and I was there to help dig out weeds. And of course, so I'm like the new face of the crowd, so the kids are, ah, who's that? who's that guy? Because the, you know, the ski instructor coach of me comes out, like, how do we get these kids to pick up more weeds? And they're over there hitting each other with rakes. How do we just get them back to work? So they, you know, the parents are already on top of all this. Of course, they had the contest going for them for the longest route. But they had all picked what they thought their longest route was. So I had to stem the contest back up by trying to pull a longer one. And that was my part in it. So I just tried to get them going. Got him going at least enough to to talk about me because I hear I hear him over there. Well, well, Mr. Snow Basin said that this one was the longest, and my heart sunk. All my life, all all of my nicknames I have accumulated over the years, which I think I tried to total them up one time, and it was I was pushing like thirty, forty, somewhere in that ballpark. Call me Mr. Snow Basin. So, so they say around these parts. Mr. Snow Basin knows how to dig up a garden. Hopefully they'll be saying Mr. Snow Basin can ski, but I haven't found anybody up there willing to say that yet. And to leave you with one final note on our community engagement section, and only because this was actually, I got feedback from a bunch of you out there who listen, and one of, one of the most popular episodes and subjects that people liked were, were the cognitive biases. Now, since I talked earlier this week, Monday, I talked about, you know, I don't like it when people ask me, they say what? You know, when I just say, you know, they say the ice caps are melting. Well, who's they? They want all the data, right? If I'm making an emotional plea, understand what I'm doing is all I ask. And if I, and let just, and what I ask is not to bog the conversation down. If I have the details, I would love to give them to you, and I hopefully I can. And if not, just be patient while I dig them back up. But can we not, you know, just dismiss a whole conversation over that? Was is the point, right? Because if you do know the data, please share it, but not in a way that also turns the conversation off. Now you can inject too much data. Maybe some per people will just want to hear the emotional plea of it. So know your audience, right? That's a big key. You'll learn that if you join something like Toastmasters. But there's a reason stuff like that happens. Like the, we have these lapses in memory, right? I might not know the facts and figures off the top of my head, maybe for, for this little cognitive bias. This is what they consider the curse of knowledge. It is a cognitive bias that occurs when an individual communicating with another individual or other individuals unknowingly assume that the others have all the background to understand. I don't know. Here's an example also. So an example of this is kind of like teachers in a classroom setting, or actually, or for me, teachers on a mountain. 
having a difficult time conveying what the novice should know because it comes so naturally if I, I don't, I'm not a classroom teacher nor do I have kids but I do instruct children up on the mountain right and now I just started instructing this year so I haven't developed all the little tips and tricks on how to walk and progress a skier that doesn't know anything to knowing all about skiing. You know, I can I get them moving, I get them turning better, but sometimes I struggle in communicating that. What makes a better skiing like a ski instructor a better ski instructor is that they know how to navigate those little tips and tricks. They kind of walk this whole curse of knowledge back. Like you probably experience this when you try to teach your child. Because you know how to ski, so you just uh, throw it on edge. Well, no, there's a lot more than just throwing an edge on it. There's a lot more happening that you kind of don't know because you do it second nature now. There are more prepositions that need to happen. Right? There, You need to be in a different stance first before you just decide what edge to throw it on. And that's even even wrong, right? We We don't know how to explain it. Because we just do with things so naturally. But now, look at, give a little hot wash when your kid gets out of a class, right? Who has been instructed by a top level instructor who knows how to walk them through those stages of learning to turn and see if they can't explain it to you a little bit better. And then you'll find out if you had a good instructor or not, if you learned something from your kid that day, especially if you couldn't teach your kid before. In the same vein, another cognitive bias that's kind of closely related to the curse of knowledge is the illusion of transparency. And this is a tendency of people to overestimate the degree to which their personal mental state is known by others. Another manifestation of this transparency is a tendency for people to overestimate how well they understand others' personal mental states. So this is just to say that we think that people understand how we're feeling more than they actually do. Or that we feel like we understand how the other is feeling more accurately than we really do. And this is just a natural thing our brains do. We just tend to feel that way. But then if we lack the skills on how to understand that, or that, hey, they may not understand how I really do feel inside we don't always sh we spend a lot of time not trying to show our emotions you know especially in times of uncertainty like now in the COVID pandemic we try not to show our emotions and and in so we lack uh, some communication skills needed to convey that and sometimes I like this will get in our way because we'll think others know how we're feeling and they seem cool, calm, and collective, and that makes us think maybe we're being overreactive. And then, however, we tell ourselves to shut up, or right, or if we're telling ourselves to shut up, that might be hurtful. Right? So how are we communicating that to ourselves? Like ah, well. Maybe they don't understand how I really do feel about this, and, and we need to find ways to talk about how we're feeling during these uncertain times. And 
hopefully just knowing about these cognitive biases, like the illusion of transparency, where we think people know how we feel, or we think we know how others feel better than we really do. Right? If we think we know how others feel, and we're not, you know, maybe that stops us from trying to communicate, because well, ah, we got it figured out. They look cool. And we don't have that conversation. So. And also beware of the curse of knowledge. How we come to know a thing. And not everybody knows necessarily all the background. So try to fill that background in with some more detail. Right? If you have it. Uh, and not even just detail. Just kind of a... Put it in colorful context. Something fun to play with, again, something that'll keep a conversation going. Always think about the yes and concept. What can we add to what we're talking about? Hopefully you get some good ideas here. Go check out some of these groups. Check out the Comedy Loft page. We've messed around with some virtual content. That's nothing regular with that, so check it. Uh, check out the Comedy Loft or Ogden Comedy Collective, um, but definitely the GoFundMe, Renew the Comedy Loft Project. Thank you, Antonio. Check out Poet Flow, virtual meetups on Tuesdays, 7 to 9. Anna Cash in Green Ogden, thank you, and thank you for my new nickname, Mr. Snow Basin. I'll take it. Coin that phrase right now. Snow Basin, please don't sue me. Uh, if you fire me, I'm still taking a name. <laughs> uh, and also, reach out to Dan Jello. Reach out to Dan Jello at D Jello, that's D J E L L O E, at yahoo.com. If you need medical grade PPE for your organization, all right, he's. Got a lead to Merrill Manufacturing, which has just pivoted to start producing medical PPE instead of the sports apparel that they were doing before. If your organization can use some PPE, reach out to D'Angelo or, again, email me. I'll get you in contact. Otherwise, it was another great Wednesday. Thank you, and we'll be back Friday with your sustainability segment for the week. Thanks. <laughs>